0: Connectal, we're going to be real and raw. This conversation is part of the Connected uh, People channel in Connectal. We're looking at ways to put people first, uh, making sure that every living being on this planet matters. And um, Tim McDonald and I are curating this channel, uh, really looking at what is conscious leadership in the 21st century, um, how did you discover yourself in that and become more self aware and also uh, overall well-being. So this topic of real and raw is really exciting. And uh, you can vi- visit us at connectal.com. And Connectile is an amazing platform, uh, curated and created and brought to us uh, by Mara, um, who is doing a phenomenal job in the world, looking at different channels, including the regenerative economy, leadership, and other areas that we really need to get our minds upon of how we build community and bring people together in conversation. We host uh, these conversations and we hope you join us and you can also watch these conversations in a replay. And if you are, um, thank you and jump in on the conversation um, on the platform as well. This is real and raw today because I was not supposed to be on. <laughs> so um, if you're looking for Cindy Williams, um, the storm that you may have heard in America um, the past couple of days that have has come through bah- the Bahamas and, and other parts of, of the world uh, have impacted her ability to be here. So I'm stepping in uh, real and raw to have this conversation and um, I am super excited to have Mark and Megan on today, two incredible human beings on this planet that are conscious leaders who are making huge changes in the world. So I think the universe just wanted us to have this conversation (laughs) together. And um, we do this more as kind of like a, if any of you have ever, I I, I can't even say like a dinner party because For me, dinner parties are about sitting around and having conversations and not feeling the time go by. Uh, But for many people, dinner parties now is about just having silly conversations and not really tapping into um, anything of significance. So for me, this is about significance and the ability to connect with each other. And how I would love to start this conversation is uh, maybe Megan first and and Mark next, and then we'll just just jump into a conversation.
1: So I I've had you know I've had quite the journey of kind of coming to find my my voice and and really what I wanted to do on this on this earth. Um, you know I, it's funny because as a child I think I really knew what I wanted to do, and that was to create and to um, and perform and and make things for fun um i guess now my my manifesto really for my life is i want to make cool shit with people i like and (laughs) that's like really like as simple as it gets like i just you know um i don't have any time anymore for people who i i don't like and i don't get along with um who cause drama who um bring in some you know bring in any negativity really um and i've it's come I've come a long way to get to this point. um I worked at the New York Times um, I worked in corporate for a decade in digital advertising and in some ways that was a really, really great period of my life because when i I remember when I first stepped into the corporate world, it was like this moment of what is this world <laughs> like i I was an artist my entire life and and so I kind of felt like I was like you know putting on this like like everybody was kind of like putting on this um, facade of who they, who they were. And it was interesting uh, journey for me, discovering how to play in that world and also how to, how I lost myself a bit in that world and then coming out the other end, um, starting in January where I decided to become a filmmaker. And because for me, that's kind of the most powerful way to use my voice. So Uh, that's where I am today. I'm um, currently, I'm based in Paris, but I'm uh, to this day in in Baltimore um, and shooting my first feature, so.
0: What kind of world do you want to live in?
1: I want to live in a world um, where people listen and respect each other and you know i think one of the things for me coming back to the states it's it's uh that's very glaring is just how much on television people are just shouting at people and um and it can become quite overwhelming for me like my my senses i feel like having lived in europe are um have just become a little bit more calm and um so you know for me it's it's a world where everybody is is not just speaking their truth, but actually living it. Because I I feel like sometimes we say, oh, I want me to speak my truth. And actually like you don't always need to speak your truth. You know, sometimes you, um, if you're truly embodying your truth, you don't always need to speak it, I feel like. So a world where people are truly embodying their truth, not shouting at people, listening to others, and yeah, respecting others' truths.
0: Uh, (laughs) Just what kind of world are you creating? Um, yourself how are you contributing to that
1: right right so that's a great question um for me I it's through through my stories and through um the stories that I'm I'm finding along the way so for sure for me um women's empowerment is like a huge uh huge part of my life I started the women's network for the New York Times on the international side of things um I, you know, I was uh, one of the faces of Google's I Am Remarkable campaign, um, I, which was all about basically getting women to say their accomplishments and to be, getting women to be able to um, say, like, I am remarkable because and not being afraid to, to brag about their, themselves. Um, and then, you know, through my, through my stories now, my first short film was about women's rage and uh, how we're so often told nice and we're not allowed to show our anger but actually how important anger is as an emotion it's not good it's not bad it just is an emotion and if we're not able to channel that in some way um then you know we aren't again living our our truly authentic selves. so um for me it's definitely a women's focus and then also uh empowering other people to to find their creativity as well. So I have creativity workshops and retreats and um, and things like that. So for me, a world where people are creating is a world where we're not destroying. <laughs> so, um, yeah.
0: Thanks, uh, I love it because I think we are here to create and not to suffer and Mark, I'd love for you to share some of um, what you, the world you wanna live in and what you're creating in that world because I think we have a lot of balance and harmony here on this uh, conversation today
2: so first what i want to do is just sort of pull back a little bit and and megan i, I briefly was introduced to your work with uh, just looking at your website and and the links but hearing you talk right now what was really fascinating to me is is as i sort of look at at life like a movie or the Truman Show where there's like an audience that's sort of watching the script come together and, and characters come together and they know why they're there but the characters don't know this yet and so it's fascinating hearing you talk about uh, emotion particularly anger uh, and and I'm looking forward to seeing more of, of your previous work with uh, helping women uh, move from repressed anger to expression because moving quickly ahead to my current work, is I'm doing that essentially with men. And I'll I'll share a little bit more of how that story came to be, uh, but I want to call attention to uh, not only how thankful I am for Ayelet and Mara for bringing us together uh, and to share this message with the world, because I think it's quite timely and what the world really needs, uh, full-bodied emotional expression, but also that there's often in our political or, or in, the, in our cultural conversation, whether it's at dinner parties or whether it's in, in social media or, or mainstream media is, is conversation that divides. Uh, and, and I've even seen this conversation divide uh, genders. Uh, you know, men and women uh, separated what I want to talk about, or what I want to call attention to, is what you just shared. is quite literally what I've learned that men need just as much, and it's really beautiful to see that. Uh, the way of which I come at it through men, I think, might be a little bit different, and uh, and and there's different masks that men are culturally trained to wear. But it's just really beautiful to fo- to to see that connection. So pulling back a little bit. Uh, how I came to, to work on this, uh, currently, I'm writing a book uh, with a soft title called A Man's Work. And it's helping uh, men really step into this embodied uh, emotion uh, because I believe that that's really the full spectrum of the human experience. And through my experience with teaching, I taught high school English in New York for 10 years. I really got to work with high school seniors in particular and learned that there's a crisis that our boys need men and they need fathers. And so in that experience, getting to see just how badly that our boys today really need uh, male role models who represent what it means to be an emotionally embodied man. um, I eventually moved out here to San Diego and I started up a coaching practice. And in that coaching practice, I honestly wasn't trying to focus on men. I just have always been obsessed with what Maslow called self-actualization. And I believe that we can continue throughout our lives to grow through different stages of development. And Robert Keegan's a popular uh, researcher over at Harvard who talks about adult stages of development. And so what I was really curious after leaving the teaching profession, and we repeated that, hey, a five-year-old and a 15-year-old, they're at different stages of development. So therefore, we're gonna treat them differently and we're going to interact with them differently. But yet when it comes to adults, we've just had a consensus that at 18 or 25, whichever you, you prefer, the adult just stops developing. And I kind of call BS on that. And Keegan's research really helps add some academic credibility to that, that, no, we can still develop. And it's not one line of develop as in I'm better than you or or any of that. I would rather avoid that conversation and just talk about how we can continue to expand, whether you want to call it our consciousness or just the way in which we act and move throughout the world, uh, we can expand that as we grow throughout life through different practices, which I'm I'm happy to, to share, Megan, the one about emotion is the one that I'm fascinated in. Uh, mainly because uh, through my work with helping people move from one stage to another stage, uh, I really came to gain a deeper understanding of men's work. And out here in San Diego, at least on the West Coast, this is a thing. I didn't even know men's work was a thing when I was on the East Coast in New York, which is fascinating to me. And it wasn't until one day someone called me a men's coach that I said, that's a thing? What does that mean? And uh, that eventually led to me running a men's intensive where I took uh, a group of men out into the mountains in San Diego. And uh, my partner and I, we ended up, uh, my business partner and I, we ended up uh, having these men go through a bunch of different exercises that uh, I've done with men and women, but bringing the men together uh, was just incredibly transformative for these men, not only to feel safe to express anger, to express sadness, but also to really question, well, well, how was I taught to be a man? And what does being a man mean for me? And it was a really powerful experience that I felt really honored to be able to do. And that's what led to my my current work. I'll come back a little bit later to talk about uh, my student, James, who uh, certainly led me to focus on men's development. And I'll come back to that, but thank you for letting me share that and thank you for letting me be here as well.
0: Boy, I could spend hours talking to both of you because I think we're touching on some of the most important areas in today. Um, some of the work that I'm working on right now is, I'm hoping that with your help and support, we can create a new genre in the world around self-awareness. I think the self-help movement, has really got us trapped into this notion that there's someone outside of ourselves that could help us and not always trusting ourselves. I think part of the opportunity in the world is to adopt an opportunity mindset. When we're stuck in the 20th century mindset, we think about problems and solutions and coming from corporate America I've spent you know many many uh, years working on solving problems and even if you look at the UN uh, social goals right now they're about solving humanity's biggest problems and I think the opportunity would be to say what are humanity's biggest opportunities um, and every time you think about the problem is you can say to yourself, okay, what's the opportunity in it? Because what can I create and what could the people around me can create? And, you know, it doesn't sound like you had a, a huge, uh, either you had a huge business plan and blueprint. Um, you went out and experimented and kind of looked at, at real and raw, you know, what can you go out and create in the world? And I think it's interesting um, and fascinating that when you are in, whether you're at the New York times or a, a, a High school teacher, um, those things kind of spark us to move on and not to stay trapped where we are. Um, I wanted to throw something into this conversation, which is about how do we become whole? Um, I think part of the opportunity we have today is for more men and for w- more women to recognize that they have a feminine and a masculine side and that it's no longer uh, consciousness separation um issue of men are better women are better because that's how human history repeats itself the oppressed oppress and be, then become the oppressors and we've seen this film and hopefully megan you'll break the pattern <laughs> of this film um, in, in in films happening and, and look more at integration which i think both both of you touched on and there is work to be done at an individual level Um, One of the shifts that I'm making uh, when it comes to being real and raw is really looking at the fact that most of the systems we have built today have been built for the lowest common denominator, and we get stuck in the notions of right or wrong, good or bad. What I'm trying to bring into the world is the notion of is this person, is this belief, is this food healthy or unhealthy? what is healthy for me and what is toxic for me? And how do I consume it? Because a study that I just read this morning shows that 81% of young adults in the United States, and I'm sure this is true of China and other areas, see that their life goal is, is being rich. So, and with increasing suicide rates, especially young among young boys around the world, there's a lot for us to talk about. So I'd love, to jump into this and see what comes up for you um, around being real and raw and putting taking off our masks and and really looking at what's possible what are the opportunities that you see so whoever wants to jump in go ahead
1: I mean for me the first thing that uh, I thought about when you said how to become whole is that you know we aren't broken to begin with and I think that's one thing that is in our culture and permeates throughout is that we have to fix something or we have to, you know, there's intrinsically something wrong with us and we need to fix it because I would argue that there isn't anything wrong with any of us. And no matter how we show up, like, I feel like that, like fully taking that in can be some of the most liberating and freeing thoughts to ever enter your mind you know um I remember when I feel like I first read that from it was probably Elizabeth Gilbert I feel like everything I read that's of importance is from Elizabeth Gilbert <laughs> or Brene Brown or you know um but uh but yeah just really understanding that like no matter that you're born way you want to become another way like everything is okay. And uh, and obviously I think the hardest thing is when you are obviously born into a community that's per- potentially not accepting of you. And, you know, I'm, uh, for me, my life, I, I've moved pretty much every three years. And I, looking back, you know, now as like a 37 year old woman, I finally feel much more comfortable in, in my own skin and who I am. But I feel like a big reason why I used to move every three years was because i didn't want to get boxed into what people thought expected of me and i didn't want to have some sort of expectation of you know like what um yeah what i was supposed to be i wanted to be able to be free and and change and and i and i have and um and now i'm working on in the community that i built when they already knew me as something else and and uh, so, yeah. So that's that's kind of my my thoughts on that. Was my initial thoughts on that as well. I'm sure Mark has some interesting things to say about
2: this. Yeah, Megan. Um, the 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 point that there's there's nothing wrong with us that we're not broken. Uh, I'll let you you brought that up. Uh, that that is that is an essential step that I think everyone needs to needs to take. If we were just to like reduce it to 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 bear needs right but why 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 do people feel that way and it was in my own journey what was fascinating is i went from working in the in the in the uh, in the uh, government sector and working as a teacher to then working in marketing and i took what i learned as an english teacher and storytelling and started applying it and realized oh people value that in marketing because mark stories sell right and it wasn't until I really started studying marketing that I realized that, wow, marketing is how society learns what is right and what is wrong, uh, specifically advertising here, right? And so for Jean Kilborn's a lead researcher on this, if you've ever seen her work, Killing Us Softly, she was pivotal in my own undergrad work in anthropology and later on i was fortunate to be able to interview her but her work showed just how advertising greatly influenced women young girls in particular to let them know what they needed to do to be pretty of course that was literally impossible Uh, the barbie doll dimensions showed us that but just that there's always something else that you need to do to be able to be beautiful and by beautiful is complete right or full and so that creates this deficit type of thinking that there's always something i need to do same thing happens with boys and over the last uh, 20 years if not the last 10 in particular we've seen incredible shifts in how uh, uh, boys identify beauty and 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 their self-worth through the physical through the physical appearance and it's the exact same thing that girls had faced uh, or, or that, that that had experience in the 50s, and the '60s and the 70s now I'm not saying it's the same thing because there's certainly different uh, influential factors uh, the main one in particular that Jean Kilborn brings up is that boys don't have to typically worry as much about being uh, uh, violated right and being and being hurt uh, girls certainly need to be more conscious of that um, but the, the, the mindset of there's always something that I need to do to add to my physical beauty is, is prevalent in boys and girls. It's, it's really quite astonishing. So I just want to call attention to that in that we are complete, we are whole, we are beautiful. And I think what's most interesting about the work that I do now is when I talk about helping people move to a new stage of development or a more expanded uh, awareness or, or consciousness, however you want to put it, it doesn't mean Adding, it doesn't. Mean, I don't. We don't add anything to what they do. Instead, what we do is is I just peel away that which they thought they needed. Uh, the mask is is the most obvious one, right? Uh, the emotional mask that we're sort of focusing in on here in this conversation, absolutely one of those because we're taught that we need to wear it. And don't get me wrong, there is absolutely value to being able to say oh i see that emotion i'm gonna put you to the side right now because i need to get shit done i get it and we need that and that's what seneca the roman philosopher taught us with stoicism absolutely valuable at the same point though we need to honor the emotional experience because can i swear on this island i i swear all the time i'm sorry i i, I my new Yorker self just comes out i don't know if my mom would be I'm happy sorry, with that I have, okay so <laughs> I mean fuck we <laughs> we're humans like this is the human experience and I don't know about you guys but I'm here I'm here to live my best life and if that means that I'm angry I'm going to find a way to express that anger and and we could I should preface really quick and say that that doesn't mean like hurt someone Anger is there's a way to express it compassionately, and there's a way to express it like an asshole through aggression, right? And, and that takes a, a skill, a learned skill. But my point is, is that we're human. We're emotional beings. And if we're even going to apply uh, more of a spiritual concept to it, that is my belief, and there's some new science that's coming up that talks about this, that it's through the emotional experience that we actually transmute that emotion into power and we actually step into greater versions of ourselves. And I don't wanna blow this out into any sort of real uh, woo-woo type of talk, even though I can absolutely go there and I love it, but at a very simple standpoint, if we all learn the power of the emotional body, if we all learn to uh, embrace our own so that we don't project that uh, shame on others, then I think as a collective, not only are we gonna have happier people at home, we're gonna have happier people at work, and we're gonna have happier people alone. Realizing that, as Megan, you just mentioned, I have everything I need right here, and I am one amazing person. I don't need another shirt, a makeup, or whatever. I look in the mirror, and God, I love that person.
1: Sometimes you need a next, that, like you need some makeup, or you need. Sometimes that's it. It's like I um. I think sometimes, so I'm a Leo and this is something I've been working on with uh, my this amazing woman named uh, Karen Hawkward. She looks at charts and how that relates to like your personality and uh, a characteristic of a Leo and especially in a society is that we've been like beat down to not be fully in our like lioness and our like, you know, and, uh, and unhappy Leos tend to then put other people down because like they're not living in their full, like, you know, and this couldn't be applied to pretty much any, anybody, right. If you're not living in your full, um, not just authentic self, but your full like power, then the shadow side of that is actually like putting other people down in, in some way. Right. Um, And, and how sometimes we feel ashamed of the fact that like, like I sometimes love to put red lipstick on or I love, I want to buy like that, you know, um that nice new gucci shoe or something but i think for like what you're saying it's understanding the difference between like is that unconscious thinking that we are told that we need that or is it just like no i'm gonna feel fucking fabulous in those pair of gucci shoes and therefore like that's gonna make me live like make me feel like i'm uh powerful and there's legitimacy to having these um somewhat superficial things to make us feel, feel better, I feel. we um, going back a couple of steps to uh, what you were saying about, about anger and how that can actually propel things forward. It's funny because when I was writing that, when I was writing my uh, short film called *Region Cult, which is, it's a, it's a dark comedy, so it, it kind of pokes fun at, uh, you know, the fact that women aren't able to tap into her anger and, um, and this woman, she wants to start a cult of rage. You get these women to show up on social media and like, you know, not show their beautiful faces, but to show men that they can be angry and like, you know, ferocious and that they can't just do anything to them. Um, and as I was uh, filming it and since then, there's been two books the past year about female anger. And one's called Rage Becomes Her by Soraya Chamali. Another is called good and Mad by Rebecca Tracer um, and it's all a, a big point of the books is not only about how anger if you if it's not released makes you actually physically sick but also how women have been um, using anger to make incredible changes in the world and when a- women do get angry actually that's when shit changes so like, you know, whether it be abortion laws or, um, you know, whether it be the, the children at the border who are being, um, you know, horrifically treated by the Trump administration, like um, using that anger to propel like greatness. And I, I think I see that you want to say something. So if you're to jump in.
2: Oh, yeah. uh, you're spot on. It, anger isn't pla- oh. it, it, is certainly not, uh, in my opinion, and, and what the research shows, it's not passivity. You know, passivity is, is, is something that we see often in spiritual texts in particular, uh, not, not directly, but that's the way it's interpreted. And it's interpreted through this lens of everything is positive. Everything is great. Whether it's out of this fear that God forbid, I say something bad that the universe will give me something bad. Cause that's a helpful thought, but, but more so, uh, coming back to, uh, people, it's hard to uphold boundaries it's really hard to uphold boundaries, mainly because we're not taught typically to do so. And that, I can get deeper into why that would be through the societal structures in which we're raised, but just generally speaking, it's uh, uh, holding boundaries of, of, of what we're okay with uh, is really vital to, to, I think, being authentic to who you are And the way in which we express when our boundaries are crossed is vital, right? And that's through direct, candid conversation. And that's not fun. Anyone who's in a loving relationship knows that when your partner does something that you're not okay with, you got to sit down, you sit in it, and you stare in their eyes and you say, hey, this is what I saw you do. This is how it made me feel. And here's what I would like for you to do. And you have that conversation, and it's not one-sided by God, no, it's a conversation, but that's uncomfortable. And 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 that is one way to express uh, a boundary, and that would be in terms of anger, and that would lead to an emotional situation that is difficult to have. And if it's d- difficult to have one-to-one, just imagine how much more difficult it is to have one-to-many, especially since many could be this this ambiguous t- type of concept right so in terms of uh of of, of anger particularly when it comes to you had mentioned uh, uh women's rights in terms of abortion that yeah that anger needs to be expressed right how to express it is the is, is the difficult area but no i'm I, I i think it's vital that that gets expressed and put out and personally speaking i think it's through art that we change the world and the that's why i look at artists like you who uh, you know, can use the medium of video, use the medium of story to get people to feel. And when you get people to feel, that's when you get people to act differently.
0: It's, this is, this is fascinating, because I think you know, when, when we start looking at what is healthy and, and that we are powerful creators, and I think most people are looking for other people to To solve problems or to do things, and one of the things that the world I want to live in is with powerful creators, and realizing that there's 7.7 billion people on this planet and it's growing, um, there's opportunity to connect. I love technology because there's an opportunity to connect with people that you 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 couldn't. Um, Connects to where you live. I left San Francisco a couple of years ago after I published my first book, and moved to a very rural area. And if I didn't have video, <laughs> I probably uh, wouldn't be here uh, because I could spend the day talking to people around the world and seeing what's possible, and and reaching other people. And I think that through conversation and dialogue, rather than protesting and, and feeling human. I think what you're both saying, um, and correct me if, if, if what I'm saying isn't resonating with you or, or educate me or, or ask me questions, uh, because I don't live in the world of right and wrong in terms of conversations, uh, because I constantly want to learn, uh, from, from every person I interact with. But do you think that, um, our ability to connect and to find our own voice i mean that's the world i want to live in that's what i'm hoping the work that you're doing is helping people do because when i talk about wholeness i don't mean that you're broken i mean whenever somebody is trying to fix someone else or to save the world um, in the last three years i've met a lot of people like that and i've been running for my life because having worked in in africa and different parts of the world I really don't even believe in the notion of charity anymore, or even the notion of giving back because I don't know what we're giving back. I don't know what we took that we need to give back. I want to create a world where people can show up where unless you're doing harm to yourself, do no harm to you and do no harm to others and be out there creating what you want to create and see in the world. But I do think that you have to get your feminine and your masculine aligned within yourself. And the more people do it, the less we're gonna be talking about the separation. The more the corporations are gonna have inclusion and diversity departments, the less inclusion and diversity that we're gonna have. Because what inclusion and diversity really does is, and, and I used to run a department of that in a big corporate tech company uh, for a year. And what I saw was that it creates more division. It doesn't create more unity. It creates more, you know, when I would send out an email about something, this guy would send me an email saying, what about the men? And I'm like, what about the men? What do you want to do about that? Like you take action because what we really need is to have the best people in organizations or in the world come together to create, not to protest, not to be outraged, not to blame and not to judge, but really that notion of creation of what are you creating today? And creating is helping someone through sadness, helping somebody through anger. There is no formula. Nobody knows you. Nobody has the answer. But we can create what is what is possible.
1: Oh I've had to say about that. <laughs> but um uh, well you know I I, I want to say something he said in the very beginning about, um, you know, that we get more done by talking and, um, than by protesting. And I would actually vehemently disagree with that because I think that protesting is very, very important. And me living in France where, you know, the French love to protest, I am actually horrified at that there are not more protests in the United States in terms of what is happening right now in our country. And I think that we are too docile. And that's why I think anger is so important because it does drive us to create change and create action. And I'm not saying create war, but I am saying make sure that our our voices are, are, are heard. And I don't see how sitting down and talking to people right now is helping at all. So in my opinion, we absolutely need to get on the streets. We need to have our voices heard as loud as possible. Um, and 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 potentially ferociously, people are dying in mass murders all over the country, and we're just sitting there ta- sending our prayers to people. Like that's not enough, and it's not enough to talk to people about it. Um, in my opinion, we need to get up and we need to protest and we need to be loud and proud about it. Um, but so- you know, I'm I'm a Cuban uh, American. I I I have benefited in many ways from being Cuban and having that diversity. Uh, because I was a National Hispanic Scholar, I um, have have benefited from you know being a woman in in some ways by getting um, different scholarships or grants for women in film and funding. However, I, my film actually this weekend is in a, um, a film festival um, and. They created an entire uh, section called The Female Gaze, based off of my film, which I have, I have a very conflicting, but I've also on the other side benefited from looking very white, right? So I've actually benefited from people thinking when I enter the room that I'm one of them as a white woman. And, and then, you know, when I was at USC, people thinking about saying, telling racist jokes around me or, or things like that, and, and that's not okay. And so what I want to say is that, you know, maybe in the, in, the, in the very long-term future, diversity things aren't important, but I think that once we get there, but I don't think we're very far from there. And I think that the only way that we're going to have people's voices be heard that aren't white males, um, is to amplify them in these potentially somewhat artificial ways but like for me that's very very important to have um and i i understand what you're saying about it, it causing it seemingly causing further division that's only because it's waking people up to the division that was already there and so right now like you know for example my high school it's half black half white and I feel like when I was in high school we didn't have all these issues about people feeling like you know the black kids were getting put into detention more often or like but I just think we weren't aware of it and the further the more aware we become of all the you know all of the things that are um in our subconscious bias the better it becomes for everybody and we need to yes then talk about it but um I can't I can't agree with the fact that we don't need these diversity. um,
0: I love this conversation. Uh, (laughs) I think it's real and raw and healthy. And, you know, to, to dig deeper into it, I'm not saying don't protest. What I'm saying is wake people up to their voice and don't run to the protest because there's different ways now that we can create. There's different, healthier avenues. I'm not saying put down anything. I'm just saying we need to reimagine and rethink how we do things because that worked for one generation. And now today there's a possibility and believe me, I've been through enough Paris strikes in my life to understand what goes on there, but I want to create a healthy conversation about what's possible when we do and for the people that are willing to do it to find different ways to use technology. Everybody's complaining about social media, but we created social media. And we created, you know, we didn't create the sun. We did not create the earth. We did not create the ocean, but we did create the stock market. We did create taxation. We did create the education system. We did create division. And so we have the possibility now to take different crayons and really think in a healthy way about what we can create in the world. And I love what you're both bringing because to be human is to feel all emotions and we've been stifled. We haven't been allowed to be real and raw and really come into that emotion of sadness. We had to put on our happy face. I mean, this whole drive to happiness for me is ridiculous because to be human is to feel emotion, to be who you are, not to worry about exactly, And, and but to know yourself, to be aware of why you're here, why you're showing up and what you want to create and what you want to create in the world. And I think that sometimes we have to step back and say, are these protests? Like I would love to have a hashtag called who hasn't, because I know many men who have been through major trauma as well. And and they feel divided again. And I, I love the movements that are happening because they're, they're starting to spark us and ignite us. But I'd love to find new healthy avenues to say, okay, what are we creating rather than having, you know, my first memory in life at three and a half was war. And if my my side lost the war, I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you. So for me, life is real and raw, because I know what it's like. I want to live in a world without warriors and battles and fights. And, you know, Mark, that might make us a little bit woo woo. But I think there's a realistic, healthy path to that if we have different conversations and we don't lead with structure but we lead with what we're trying to create in the world and bring the other people with us um, in that way so I love this conversation Megan and I couldn't agree with you more (laughs) if that makes any sense
2: (laughs) I want to just really quick jump in and uh, there's a lot to talk about here we could talk for a long time I love this this is, this is my, my favorite place to go. And, and what I love about this conversation so far is through the design, we've created a safe space where we all could actually really be fully authentic and we can disagree with each other and have it lead to connection instead of disconnection. That's awesome. But it's interesting about the protests, uh, Megan, that you bring up. I'm not gonna pretend like I can talk on that. I don't, I don't know. I don't have enough research, I haven't thought enough about that. I know how to change people one-to-one. One-to-many is something that outside of Marshall Gann's work with public narratives and how to weave a story that pulls people to, to change, I, I can't speak about the politics. So um, I, I admire uh, both of you, Ayelet and, and Megan, for, for sharing your, your stories and, and what you know with over in Paris. I can't assume that I uh, have enough experience to talk educating uh, in an educated way about that. But what I could say, is one tool uh or or rather what i can share is one tool that i'd like to share with the audience today that i think is vital to uh to men and women in particular but it's a new literacy a new skill set that people could consider moving forward and megan you brought up shadow and shadow work is something that many people i'm finding in my work are not aware of and what shadow work simply is the way that i frame it is anything that you have a strong emotional reaction towards. And so I, I put my clients through a simple activity. I give them this this handout and, and I'm, I could share the, the handout with you guys here and I'm happy to give it to our audience as well. But it's just a simple way to take a look at, well, what are you being emotionally reactive to as you go throughout the day? This is positive and negative, right? So things that elicit joy, things that elicit uh, anger, right? And, uh, what you do is you simply apply the concept of shadow work to it and it's three parts it's talk to it talk as it and then integrate it so you close your eyes you get into a mindful zone which could be four full complete breaths and i can walk people through this a little bit more in detail if you'd like but when you get into that contemplative zone and you're nice and calm you close your eyes and you call attention that to that which whatever it was that you were upset at and you imagine it as a shadow coming to your face and you talk to it and you say and you express through community you know through words right not just in your head you should say this out loud that which you want to share right and and full-blown whatever it is right if it's sadness and you want to break down into tears or if it's a joy, and you want to go crazy into into a blissful state, or if it's anger, and you want to you know punch a pillow and 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 talk with that. I mean, do this in a private room if that makes you feel more comfortable. If you do it in a park, probably gonna be a little awkward, right? So you talk to it, and then you switch, and you become the shadow, and you talk as it to you, and the same exact thing, unbridled communication, talk as the shadow to you and you use the you pronoun right you do that and then you come back to yourself and you say okay from that awareness what can i integrate into myself and all this does is simply move an unconscious uh reactive shadow to consciousness and you realize oh i have a little bit of this in me and here's how it plays out in the world And here's what I can do to change that behavior. And the reason I brought this up is because, Megan, what I find fascinating about protests are hearing people talk about protests. It's really fascinating because what they do is they say spark public dialogue. And what I enjoy is when I see, uh, without getting into specific examples, because I can't think of any at the moment, but when I see people have a public protest and I hear people talk about it, And they get really animated about talking about it. What I want to do is I want to say, hey, instead of talking about that, let's talk about the way in which you're reacting to it and what we can discover about you. And that always leads to a very fascinating conversation. It's not easy. A lot of times people don't want to feel as if, oh, I have some work to do on myself, or or there's a part of me that I didn't pay attention to. But that's a fascinating activity to do, and, and, and I guess I'll just pull back and say, one thing that I can say that public protests do, they certainly do, is they spark dialogue. And uh, <laughs> no one could argue that, that that's not helpful. So I, I, I can I could talk a little bit more. Uh, well, can I share a story really quick? I would love to do that if we, if that's, we have time. It's a shorter story, but. So after I moved to uh, California, to San Diego, uh, I left mid-year in the teaching year, which anyone who teaches knows that that's really hard because your students are your kids, right? And we care deeply about our students. And there was one student in particular that uh, I connected with. And it was this boy uh, named James. We'll call him James here. And he sat in class right by the window next to a group of friends. And I read some of his stories and, and through personal narratives got to know a little bit that life at home was not very great, and he did not have a, a father figure in his life. I had the students do this assignment called a senior memory book, which is weekly assi- weekly memoir reflective pieces that students would write over a 14-week period. and. Each week was different. It would talk about concepts of love, concepts of identity, uh, just all, you know, concepts of tradition, favorite memories, all this stuff. Very general topics, but simply meant to investigate the self. And it allowed students to really explore who they are and how they want to operate in the world, particularly when they would leave the high school setting and go out into the, quote, real world. My hope, obviously, is a teacher that by getting them to know who they are, it would help them create great work in the world when they left. So this is not an easy assignment and even for adults, but for youth, it's really hard because it requires you to really investigate your history. Right. And if you don't have a really happy history, particularly with family life, it's not the easiest thing to write about so with this student of mine, James, I particularly remember uh, I took him out to the hallway and I spoke to him and I said, James, what's going on? Because I saw him continue to put his head down every time he tried to write. And I knew it wasn't because he didn't want to do the work. He was a brilliant young man. But something about this assignment was difficult. And I had a heart-to-heart with him and I said, listen, James, it's a, a man-to-man here. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to know what I observe. what I observed. And I told him what I observed over the last several weeks, watching him in class, whatever he did, his friends followed as simple as that. If he spoke to other people during the class, uh, his friends would start speaking as well. If he did his work, his friends did his work. And so I spoke to him and I said, this is what I see. And that is literally the definition of a leader. Your actions influence the actions of others. And I said, this is what I see in you. And I want you to know man to man that I see this in you. I respect you. And I'm here with you to help you show up in the world. And he teared up. It was like this and anyone who's an empath or can feel subtle energy. All of a sudden it got thick and his eyes welled up and he said, thank you, Mr. Gray. I got you. He went back to the class. He sat down the next 30 minutes or so of class. (laughs) He was writing going and I thought mission success. There you go. That was that teacher moment that we as teachers all dream of, right? That was the last time I spoke to him uh, or or had a heart to heart. A week later, I ended up moving to San Diego in January. Six months later, uh, in August, I had learned that he chose to take his life. So obviously that hit home. That was the first time in my life that I broke. My wife came out of the bedroom, it was early in the morning. I'm head in my hands, barreled over, shaking like tremors. And she's thinking something, like she doesn't know what's going on. And I just feel the the enormity of, my God, here is a student that, you know, Survivors Guild. If I would have stayed another six months, I gotta help this boy you know, we could argue whether or not that would have had any influence, but uh it, it hit me and it was my own emotional wake-up call. 800,000 people a year in the world commit suicide, 47,000 in the U.S. alone, and then here's the statistic that startles me, 70 percent of them are white males. And I don't want to get into the conversation about The power hierarchy, I get it, all right? I'm not going to argue that. I've read the research, right? White males absolutely have reigned, all right, in terms of power. And we absolutely need diversity just for the simple reason that you can't understand how other people walk in their shoes because of who you are. Like, there's there's different ways of different worldviews. And by God, that's beautiful. So let's not assume that we could absolutely understand everyone. We could relate, but you can't completely understand. But that statistic 70% just really shook me. And without going into detail or stories, the men that I work with in my life now are very grown adult, successful men in the world. And do you know what, when I talk to them, the stuff, the feelings that come up are the same things that the boys that I got to talk to in high school. Had difficulty with, and some make it. Others like James do not, and that's why through my own work, uh, you know, I can't speak of mass protests, but one to one, getting men to be able to feel the power of coming into their emotional and body or their emotional body. Uh, my hope is that then will save other young boys out there who don't have the strength or the role models to carry through.
0: Thanks for sharing, Mark, and I. Um... Suicide is close to my my heart and it comes up quite a bit in these conversations, um, which is really um, something that we don't talk about a lot. Uh, It might be good to actually do a a conversation about that as well. Um, And I think it relates to everything we're doing. Um, We are, I can't believe it, but we're running out of time. And I would love to jump more into that, but I also wanna give Megan an opportunity Um, What I was doing with you, Megan, was just having a a healthy conversation and I hope it leads to a lot more openness and creation from love and anger um, because I think that that's, that's what's possible. And for people to be able to hear their own voice and say, okay, what can I do rather than necessarily fall, I think then we'll see a huge shift in the world. And I respect the work that both of you are doing. But Megan, maybe you could uh, talk a little bit more uh, about anything you want to.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, that was, um, thank you, Mark, for sharing that. It's, it is definitely something, you know, um, it's, yeah, I mean, our boys are in dire need of help. And I think it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem that stems very, very, I'm sure, you know, very deep and the, where the father's been all these years and you know it's it's you're right like i think everybody needs more more men and more men who um are deep can deeply feel and can deeply um become we need everybody to become awake basically that's and and i and i you know as, as in terms of the protest like that's on a political uh, it's both, in my opinion. Even individual awakens, and as each individual um, becomes their whole self, as we you know bring it back to the beginning, that only creates ripple ripples across the entire globe. And um, you know, I'm I won't get into this too much, but I am a very spiritual person, and so I really believe that with each person that shines their light, that really will help everybody else shine their light. And whether you're white, black, indigenous, um, you know, and and I think that there are multiple, multitudes of ways that we, we can do this. I actually, uh, I'm, I'm the vice chair of Democrats Abroad in Paris. And so I this year I decided that I needed to become more politically active because not only is my voice important, I feel um, through art and I, and I agree with you, Mark, what you said before that actually, art is one of the most important ways to to change the world um, on, a, on a massive scale which is why I become more and more horrified that if art gets art funding gets cut and you know it is for me art is the one thing that like in in tragedies that brings us together on you know music and um, and stories and um, painting and, and all that stuff so um, so I, I believe that we need all of it. I think the one-on-one work is so so important, and I'm so grateful that you are doing that. And and we need massive scale work as well. And because you don't know when one thing will resonate with somebody else. And if if one child is sitting there and he sees, um, you know, it's it's interesting because I was listening to us, Oprah's a Super Soul Sunday yesterday, and she was talking about how we know better, we do better. And how I think it was in the 90s, she allowed white supremacists on her talk show because for her, she wanted to do that conversation one-on-one, but actually what she realized was that she was never again, going after that conversation, going to allow any form of hate, some sort of platform um, that she had. So she decided from that day on that she would never allow that type of conversation to happen on her show because they were actually using that as a massive platform. And they came back 20 years later to talk to her after they'd gone through massive, massive changes in their life. And they apologized to her and they actually said, cause they were, I mean, it was, it was horrific. They were calling her monkeys. They were, you know, they were raising their fists. And when you see, um, when you see a massive group of people doing anything, whether it be towards hate or towards love that can actually cause a, a ripple effect, which is why, you know, going back to the protest, that, that to me is important. Um, and so anyway, they came back and they said that, that they, yes, they were using her, the Oprah show to recruit more people, and they actually were able to use that as a way to recruit more people. So um, voices are powerful, whether it be one-on-one or whether it be um, on a massive scale, and,
2: and that's, I guess I'll just end there. <laughs>
0: Mark, any, any last thoughts?
2: No, I just think this is the this is where it starts, and we could all do our individual work, but but it's for those that are listening as well. uh you know now it's your turn right and And uh, I know those that tune into this show are in this type of work themselves as well, uh, but it's through community that we really have a ripple effect, right. And through this, this is one. This is one platform to do so, and and this platform attracts, you know, the the people to do so. But I encourage uh, all those that are listening to not only share your own voice, but find your people that help you uh, share your voice even more. Right, as a as a megaphone. So thank you so much, it and and Mara. I appreciate it, and Megan. Uh, uh, yeah. Truly an honor to get to know your work. I, I hope we get to meet in person and. Uh, dive a little bit further into how our work intersects.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I wanted to actually ask one thing. Are we able to comment, because I know some people have been leaving some comments in the chat, Um, and I just wanted to acknowledge that they're there. Do we have time to comment on that? Sure, go ahead.
0: We're being real and raw.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. so um, is it Aria? I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. she said the job of people, great, <laughs> the job of people who don't resemble the generalizations made about their demographics by the people they oppress is to take up it up with the people who make those statements true and not with the oppressed. Are, are you saying, and this is what I'm, I'm getting, um, white males need to talk to other white males, white females need to talk to other white females and not talk necessarily, um, they need to do that work with their, their people that look like them? Okay. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really great point. Like we talk about allies, um, um, but also we talk about not speaking for the people who are oppressed. And I think that that's like, yes, yeah, super important. Um, and being, I agree with that. I think that that's that's a that's a, that's a really good point, Mark. Do you have anything that you want to say about that?
2: Taking a look at what uh, RA had had mentioned, uh, I think I think what's what's most vital is uh, community. And, and we need different types of community for different things, right? In this respect, when you're feeling, when there's a part of you uh, that needs to be uh, like a, a vulnerable part, right? And, and particularly with my work with men, sharing emotions is freaking vulnerable because by God, if you do it in the wrong place, you are going to be either physically beat or, um, or, or beat by, by uh, the structure. So you need a group, uh, a community to help you feel strong at, at the same time. Uh, you also in, in business sense, <laughs> you need people that are going to be, uh, hypercritical and really dig into, into your thoughts and sort of help you break apart what it is that you're thinking to see from, from different perspectives. Right? So I think both types of community is really vital. And those are the type of people that I love to, uh, to get to know that that can embody that safe beauty beautiful i see you i love what you're doing uh, and and i'm going to hold this space for your transformation and then also at the same time say well let's 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 really dig that apart and let's practice uh where the holes might be where the shadows might be so that both people become uh, expanded and 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 when we expand our awareness let's uh, just that's that's utterly beautiful i i I, my favorite thing in the world is seeing two people whether it's groups or one-to-one that have very different worldviews, talk about a subject i don't care if they agree but if they love each other awesome and we need more of that and that's what the us in particular was quite literally founded on and unfortunately we've sort of lost that Uh, a little bit. And and Ayelet, you brought up mass or social media at the beginning. That's what social media did. It still can. It's gotten a little messy, but uh, having those type of conversations in a place like, you know, this, that's, that's incredible.
0: Wow, thank you so much. It's been such an honor to be part of this dialogue and really look at what is possible and to, to, to look at, you know, how do we create a healthy world, um, our systems and are broken, our political systems, our education system, our financial systems. And we have two leaders here today with us who I believe you should watch <laughs> and uh, really um, interact with because that's what's possible, who are creative and artistic and also are based in science. And so they are whole <laughs> um, and they're constantly learning. They're also real and raw. They're, they're looking at ways to, to grow. And your stories, I think are so important for our world. And it's so amazing to, to be able to have these conversations. I think we could have a lot more. Um, my role as a host sometimes is to bring in some things for us to comment on. So if you feel compelled to protest, go protest. If you feel compelled to um, be out there or, or just do your own inner work, do your inner work. No one has the answer for you. Only you know what is healthy or unhealthy. And I want to wrap it up between real and rise. I love to live in a world someday. When I walk into a grocery store and a supermarket, there are no signs there that show me that this was raised in a humane way. And it's telling me that the rest of the food in my supermarket is poisonous. I wanna live in a world where we focus on health and we bring people together, where men and women and and of all ages are able to have dialogue and connection and be artistic and be able to show up without their masks and start learning about what's possible. I wanna talk about the truth and the facts that are out there that we have not been uh, privy to knowing. And so it's up to each of us to go do research and to go talk. You can actually have a conversation with Mark and Megan if you chose to and really learn about what they're about because that is what's possible. So, Mara, thank you so much for creating Connectal and bringing us together. Um, I miss Tim on this call and I want to acknowledge his work in bringing us together because he is one of the most powerful community builders I know. And with Tim and, and with all of you, I can see living in the world that we all want to create. So thank you so much.